No matter the industry, leaders need to hold these things dear. Who we serve, how we serve, why we serve. This is People Process Service, a frontline source group podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to People Process Service. I'm your host, Tyler Kern, joined by my co-host, the president, CEO, and founder of Frontline Source Group, Bill Casco. Bill, welcome. It's been a while. Happy to have you on and happy to be doing this podcast again with you, man. Tyler, excited to be here, as always. Well... As we, you know, begin doing these again on a more regular basis, you know, you and I were talking and we thought it would be a great idea to kind of revisit some of the conversations that we've had in the past. And for our first virtual episode of People Process Service, we're recording this online. It seemed really, really like the right thing to do to have our guest on today. This particular guest, it's Mr. Michael Gorton, who joined us prior to the pandemic, but Bill, you and I were talking kind of before we started recording this episode that it just felt like it was the right thing to have him back on because there are so many things we want to revisit because we were sitting almost right here three years ago, almost to the day when COVID kind of swept our lives away and everything has really changed since then. And this is a conversation we've kind of been dying to have since then. Yeah, I think it's one of those where we look back and think, for one thing, I can't believe it's been three years, Yeah, but it really stuck out to me thinking about this was that Three years ago, I stood in the hallway, had a conversation with a gentleman that, first of all, great guy. But as I've said over time, we're talking about greatness, not just from one thing that he's done in the past, but so many things and even some things that have happened during the last three years to revisit with. But I just remember the stories of how he told us that he just come back from a conference, was in China. They told him to get out basically before it could have been shut down. And I remember thinking, oh, that's crazy. That couldn't happen. That's never going to be like that. And then going, oh, my gosh, I met this person. Not only did I know this person, but then as we went through the last few years in the beginning, as I always like to joke about, I guess it's not funny, but, you know, we called it Corona in the beginning. And then it changed over time to being known, obviously, as COVID. But I remember thinking this teledoc thing and talking to my doctor over a phone or over the Internet, this is crazy And then I remember thinking, I met the person who had this idea, and wow, what an incredible idea and how it was used, not only in just one place, but across the country. But then also going back to think, you know, Michael was the last person we visited with, and it would only be best to bring him back as the first one to catch up. And so, Michael Gordon, thank you for joining us here today, and great to see you. Wow. What a great summary, and probably not such a great memory the last few years, but it's good to be back again. I mean, you know, if we go back and we think about this and we think about there's got to be something inside of you that makes you feel good about the fact that how many lives you made a difference to. You're a very humble person. I will tell you this. First of all, if you know, those who have never met him, he's one of the most humble individuals who has done so much in his life and made such a difference to so many people, but it still has to hit you every once in a while, right? So probably you know, two weeks after we did your podcast, COVID was really starting to shut things down. And I got a note from a former Surgeon General. And I think we'll have to tell a couple of stories for this note to make sense. But he essentially said, Michael, thank you for fighting all those battles. Now it's going to pay off. And this was right as things were shutting down in the beginning of COVID. And, you know, so 
it might be fun. We probably talked about some of the battles back in that last podcast, but right. Maybe a couple of them are worth bringing up again. No, and I think one of the stories, just so people understand as well, because I loved it when you shared it with us, was how you guys came up with the idea of creating what became Teladoc. I mean, would you mind sharing that with everyone? Well, I think, you know, my favorite way of saying it is, okay, we're climbing Kilimanjaro. Um, yeah, let's just neat. point that out. Let's just point that out. <laughs> yeah, just a random day at the bar. I'm going to pull out a napkin and make some circles. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the members of my team was a guy named Byron Brooks, who was an electrical engineer, medical doctor. And he had great credentials, had always made really good money. And all of a sudden, his friend, me, had made a lot of money selling an internet company. And he's like, Michael, we got to build something together. And I'm like, okay, Byron, hit me. What do you want to do? And he started talking about telemedicine. My favorite version of this is he wanted to call it cyber medical services. And the name reminded me of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, I'll be back. You know, <laughs> I just, I, you know, these cyborgs coming. Cyborgs coming. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, um, so we couldn't go with the name cyber medical services, but we did, um, we did create Teladoc based on. And I tell all the young entrepreneurs nowadays that I'm trying to inspire, you know, um, there really are unicorns on Kilimanjaro because I found one of them. <laughs> yeah. It's such an incredible story to hear that, you know, the, the, the way this came about. And then when you fast forward it to, to that use case uh, and how it, it's uh, it was so unique at the time. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of, I remember uh, in our company, the insurance companies talking about it and it was an add on, and it was, oh, we've got this latest thing. And you know what? For an extra $10 a month, every one of your employees can have this service. And I remember thinking, I, I don't know. You know, is that, yeah. is it really? And then, and then when it all happened, you went, is there going to be another way? Are we actually ever going to be back to see a doctor like that? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, getting in to see anyone was just almost impossible uh, at that time. And when you needed to do that, uh, it, it was just such an incredible service that, again, there, whether, or was there a time or anything that where you just kind of pinched yourself and went, I was a part of that? <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Um, I always pinch myself. Um, actually, you know, this little thing right here behind me. Um, okay. And this was, um, it, you probably can't see it, but it's, it's the MIT Technology Review 2015. And um, Teladoc was ranked 27th smartest company in the world at the time. And wow. um, ahead of Microsoft and Uber and companies like that, my kids were proud of telling me that. But, um, you know, there were so many times when sheriffs would come into our office and they would say telemedicine is Ill- illegal and you're going to prison. And um, and so, you know, fighting those battles to end up with something like that is, right. you know, uh when that happened in 2015, there were still states in the United States that were um, that were opposed and saying they were going to shut the whole thing down. And um, meanwhile, you know, MIT is saying one of the smartest companies in the world. Yeah, what incredible! And then that whole story of the tell—I mean, you could spend a day talking about that. Um, and that and that's where I, I go back. This greatness. Of this, per- this is an individual. It isn't just like you, you didn't do this like one time. You've been doing this over and over. It's the serial entrepreneurial individual 
but then you just keep going on. So, so then somehow you have this, this whole idea of, uh, the, the, the moon part is one big thing, but there's like a solar piece too. Right. And yeah, there's a, these yeah. other areas that all of a sudden, how did you, I mean, how did you just get involved in that? Oh gosh. Well, okay. So we're talking on the internet right now. And right. so I was one, I was one of the guys who uh, built the technology that we're talking on. Um, you know, it, without going into all of the technical stuff, it was a it was the early '90s that Congress said, "Okay, let's push this out in the private sector." And um, you know, a, a bunch of people like me said, "Let's build companies based on it." And uh, you know, Tyler may not remember, Bill, you might. Um, once upon a time, if there was a long distance phone call, we ran to the phone. Now we could care less where the call is coming from. Why? Because back in the old days, uh, phone calls were on copper wire. And if you're in Chicago and I'm in Dallas, there's a dedicated pair of copper wire between you and me. That's got to be expensive. That's why we were paying $3 a minute for a phone call back then. Right. And, right. Um, and now we use this thing called voice over IP, which is you can now pack 100,000 phone calls on the same copper wire simultaneously. Right. And which is so, incredible. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, we, we built that in the nineties. Um, it just was, it's part of, it's one of the things on the internet that people don't really think about is we got rid of the long distance phone call. Um, yeah, we, we, we had the ability to send, um, a letter to somebody in Switzerland and they respond 20 minutes later. I mean, yeah. I remember the first time I got a note back from a friend in Switzerland, I just couldn't believe it. It was it was like, wow, I just sent the email, you know, and this was in the early 90s. I just sent it 20 minutes ago and I already have a response. Um, no postage stamp could do that. So so what made you, you, you got involved, talk about the Back to the Moon whole project and where, where is that standing today and, yeah. and how did you get involved yeah. in that? I got involved there. There's uh, in North Texas, there's a fairly well-known um executive named Jim Keyes. He ran 7-Eleven. He was the turnaround CEO at 7-Eleven. He called me and he said, Michael, um, I've got this young entrepreneur who wants some help and would you help her? And I said, no, I'm too busy. And, you know, six months later, I'm the CEO of her company. It was called Back to Space. And, and the goal was to inspire people to become interested in space. And, you know, how do you do that? So one of the things um, that we talked about doing is building this giant map of the moon with a building around it in Jacksboro, Texas, on Lake Jacksboro. And, um, you know, that's now a $26 million project um, that's uh, going through design and funding. So that's wow. going to be a that's going to be a super exciting deal. It's now it used to be called the Lunar Landscape Experience. Um, it's now been appropriately renamed by the new CEO, a lady named Gabriella Zilkin. Um, it's now being called Moonbase Earth, which I, I, I love the name. And so it's going to have all this super high tech, um, cool stuff in it where people who won't ever get to go to the moon can experience it along with all kinds of other cool things. But, but we're going back to the moon. Oh, yeah. We're a couple of years. Did that jumpstart a lot of that, you think? No, I, I mean, I wish I could say, yes, that's cool. Um, no, it's a parallel um, that, you know, I think there's a, a lot of things happening. And, you know, Elon Musk is 
he's got to be given a lot of the credit. I mean, that guy, right. um, he's part of the reason why we're staying ahead because the whole world is building space platforms these days. Right. Um, but Elon does more launches than the whole, every single national uh, space agency combined. Yeah. Well, so, and we all know and, and he's that. here in Texas, by the way. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I love that. He's, just down, he's just down the road a little bit. In fact, Elon, if you're free, I'd like to talk to you. Yeah, let's get him on the next episode. Yeah, that'd be nice. I'm still trying to get Mark Cuban. That hadn't worked out very well either. Uh, When you you think about the space travel, uh, the the going into outer space, launching of these rockets, I mean, if we think back to the 60s, that was revolutionary. It changed everything. I mean, from a technology standpoint, now you fast forward, uh, the teledoc. Uh, and the technology that now building the moon on Earth to get ready for that experience, going back to the moon uh, that we're we're going to be doing the space race that's taking place, and then you you think about that as technology and how it changes, and then going through COVID, all we hear is about how we're so many years behind. It slowed us down on things, you know, the educational piece for our children and, and the kids that are coming up. I mean, what's your thought on all of this and how does that kind of work out, do you think? I think it works out for the best because anytime you create or inject adversity into an equation, people have to learn how to flex and change. And, you know, uh, it's I, I have a kid in school and I've seen the impact, um, but I think in the long run, they're going to be stronger because of it. And, um, you know, but uh, I'm not just a glass um, half full person. I, I'm, I just keep the water around and keep the glass full. <laughs> you know, fill it up. So I'm going to always take the positive perspective. I don't care what you do, how many times you knock me down and kick me in the teeth. I'm going to get up, put a smile on and say, okay, let's, what do we do wrong? Let's do it again. And, um, and so any question you ask me, I'm going to, that's, that's going to be the yeah. yeah, but when you think about it, from, I mean, you're a serial entrepreneurial individual at heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just, it, it, I love that because I am as well, not, not to your level. Uh, but when you're, when you do this from an entrepreneurial standpoint and you build things, do you think that that is still in our blood and the culture of this country anymore? Or do you think that us, the, the changes that have taken place, it slowed it down now? Do you think it's going to be different? Than what it was before. Yeah, it's it's still in the blood. Every look around, there's entrepreneurs everywhere. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a good correlation between what what is a real entrepreneur and what is luck. And so, let me tell you a really quick story. There was a um, a study done in the in the UK of, of trying to figure out why are some people lucky and some people not lucky. And so, what they did was they took a hundred people who considered themselves to be unlucky, 100 people who considered themselves to be lucky. And let's figure out the difference. So they did all these tests with them. And the one that I like the best, because it sort of nails it, is they all got a newspaper. And the guy running the research said, okay, I want you to count the number of pictures in the newspaper. And if you get it right, this is the UK, so it's not dollars, it's pounds. I'll give you 100 pounds, right? And so the... Lucky people, and and what he didn't tell them is on the second page of that newspaper was a headline that said, now mention this headline and I'll give you a second hundred pounds. So as you might have guessed, um, the unlucky people to the T 
came up and said, there's 46 pictures and I want my 100 pounds. The lucky people, to a T, said, there's 46 pictures in here. And, um, and by the way, there was a headline on the second page, you owe me 200 pounds. And um, so what? now he's got to figure out, okay, what happened? And, and the unlucky people said, you gave me a job. Count the pictures, that's what I did. Or some of them said, I didn't even see it. Some of them said, I thought it was a trick, right? So now unravel that and you can understand why some people are lucky and some aren't. Lucky people are the ones who walk into a room and look around for every opportunity they can. Those are entrepreneurs. Um, every problem has a solution. Let's find it. Every it, Look around. Who's in the room? Who can I meet? How can I um, make things work better? Unlucky people are like, you gave me a job. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it right. And that's it. So, um, you know, that's all lucky people. That's almost the definition of an entrepreneur to the T. So we're going, we're going to go to Vegas, uh, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, you see- different kind of luck. <laughs> That's probability and statistics. So, so one of the things that did happen over the last couple of years was that you you're involved in, in the Texas business hall of fame. Yeah. And to me, uh, I, I love that. Uh, but tell us a little bit about that. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's just one of those things where, okay, you know, when you grow up poor, you never think these things are going to happen. You never think you're going to get to meet famous people. The Texas business hall of fame has a, has a, an absolutely beautiful, um, objective. And that is they want to find people who have done things that have changed everything and who have given back. So you can't just be uh, rags to riches. You have to be rags to riches and um, you took those riches and used them for the betterment of Texans. And um, so every year, six Texans are inducted into the Hall of Fame and they have to have those credentials. Um, and, um, I, you know, I sit on the board of that organization and it's just, you know, meeting the people that are the legends in Texas. Um, you know, being able to sit down and have a breakfast one-on-one with Mort Myers, you know, or you think about the ones who are still living, who, um, who changed everything. And right. it's, um, it, okay, let's go back to the luck then. Okay. Now, you know, um, it just to be able to sit and talk to somebody like that, you know, how can you, how can you improve luck? How can you improve the circumstances of everything around you? That's just, I don't know. That's incredible. When you, when you think about, when you think about that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's fun. Well, so my, my question was going to be, obviously we saw a lot of advancement and a lot of things change in a really quick amount of time, right? At the beginning of the pandemic, right? You saw right. adoption of, of things like Teladoc, things that may mm-hmm. have taken three years condensed into three months, right? And really quickly we adapted to what we needed to do to make work happen, to make things happen. And in that, I think we did see a lot of innovation. We saw a lot of advancement in a lot of ways. Do you look around the world now as someone that has the experience that you have and has done so many of the things that you've done, do you look around the world now and see a world that is ripe for more innovation? And if so, like where, where are you seeing those sorts of opportunities these days? Yeah. Okay. Look, we're, we're on a, I mean, who doesn't know how to use zoom or, any number of video, um, 
Uh, my next door neighbor is the CFO of Interstate Battery. And I remember about a year into the pandemic, I asked him, I said, well, how's it going at Interstate Battery? And he said, my financial department will never go into the office again um, because they're so much more efficient working from wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, with these tools, like what we're communicating on right now, this was one of the great innovations. Um, and it's sort of an epiphany similar to, I remember in the early 90s when we first started using cell phones, all of a sudden I realized when I'm driving to a meeting, I can still be in meetings. And so I would schedule all my phone calls around drives and my efficiency went up because of it. Um, and, uh, and, and now, you know, we're not driving to the office. We're going from meeting to meeting to meeting and we can do it in, in zoom. Um, you know, less fuel, less wear and tear on our cars. Um, you know, uh, your engineer is in, uh, New Jersey and we're in Texas. Um, you know, I had a call this morning with people that were in the UK. It's just easy now. Hmm. But that, I think that makes it like. Okay, I'm just making a list of all these companies that don't like you anymore. MCI, <laughs> Southwest yeah, Airlines. It's like we're on a hit list. You know, and then it, then it made me think. I wrote Southwest Airlines, and I thought, did you ever get it? Did you ever visit or get an opportunity to visit with Herb Kelleher? I I accidentally met him. Um, I was flying to San Antonio, and I like to be the last person on the plane. And so, you know, at, at the end of all the line, I'm, I'm standing there and there's a guy next to me and he goes, and I go, I bet people say all the time to you, you look like Herb Kelleher. And he goes, yeah, they do. I get that all the time. And that was it. That was my conversation with him. Right. And then we get on the plane and the pilot goes, well, we're lucky enough to have Herb Kelleher on the plane. And of course he walks up and down the aisle as he always did and shakes everybody's hands. And I look at him and I go, you know, what was that all about? And he goes, well, yeah. you know. <laughs> that's just part of my my having fun with life. Um, yeah, that's the best I ever did with her. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been someone I would have enjoyed just sitting down and having a a one on one with. I know what what a genius who figured out how to you know go into an existing industry. Yeah, kind of like how Elon Musk did with Tesla. Um, right. You know how do you, how do you compete against General Motors and Ford? Um, and now they're all trying to be like him. Yeah, exactly. And, they, and it creates that. Whole, and I think that it does go back to the Teladoc thing, too, um, because that's evolved. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you could go all the way back and think about um, Xerox and, and copies and how that changed and how it all evolved into so much more. And you look at it and, and now all the different tools and the Zoom tools. And so even the Teladoc conversations aren't used through the same platform and everybody created something a little different and the yeah. technology piece has grown and become, it really creates a whole nother industry uh, within the different industries, which is interesting and it makes us all more efficient in what we do. And then mm -hmm. going back to, you know, our whole topic on our show, the people process servicing, everything we're talking about is all of that because you still have to have the people to, to run everything that you're, you're, you're going to want to run and to do, and there's got to be a way to do it. Uh, and then when you look back, you realize there's some core factors that are, that are very solid among all those that stay the same. And, and I think it is, it's the people and you look at yourself, uh, and where you're at and your involvement in these different things and the lives that you've made a difference to. It's, it's an incredible thing to look back at. And the, the hall of fame is, uh, to me, that's a, a, a huge honor for you to be involved in that and, 
uh, be a part of that. And so today, get us all up to speed. I mean, you've written, I don't know, like t- 10 books now too, right? How many, where are you up to? Uh, eight. And okay. and actually wow. this one right here, um, I, I just finished writing a couple of months ago. And it's really about this whole telemedicine revolution. So yeah. here's the thing that we haven't said yet. And that is the concept for telemedicine was 1967 in Boston, Massachusetts. And uh, there's um, a young uh, medical resident who had graduated from Harvard Medical School and was doing residency at uh, Mass General. And his professor was driving back and forth between Mass General and Boston Logan Airport every single day. And just one hot day in Boston, this is before we had the tunnel, right? It's, um, it's streetlights and pedestrians and, you know, three miles that take an hour. And, um, so his professor bursts in to the, um, to the ER and says, um, he first person he sees is Jay Sanders, my co-author in this book. And he says, Jay, um, and he goes, I have this idea. I want to put a camera there and a camera here and, um, see if we can't, uh, uh, talk to some of those patients over at Logan using video. And of course, Jay is the, is the medical student. And this is his professor. He inside, he's thinking stupidest idea I've ever heard of, but <laughs> professor, what, what can I do to help make this happen? Okay. Right. So, so he goes from that to now, you know, people call Jay Sanders, the father of telemedicine. And, uh, and so he and I had the opportunity to write this book to talk about, you know, what happened between 1967 and when we started Teladoc in uh, just after 2000, not much. He planted a lot of seeds. They sprouted slowly. And one of them became my friend who climbed Kilimanjaro with me was one of the seeds he planted. And, um, and so, uh, the fun part is in, in two weeks, my friend who's never met Jay Sanders in person, um, Byron Brooks and Jay Sanders and I, and one other really critical Texan, um, a man named Bernard Harris, who was there in the very beginning of, of telemedicine with Jay Sanders in the, in the 90s, uh, building the American Telemedicine Association. Bernard is extraordinary because not only is he you know, a medical doctor, but He's an astronaut. He was the first black astronaut to do a spacewalk. And so a pretty extraordinary Texan by all uh, measures. All four of us are going to be in a room together in San Antonio in two weeks. And I'm really excited because Jay is the old guy and sort of like Jay and his three sons, you know, all together. (laughs) So, so yet the book is launching, or is it already available? Is no, it out yeah, there? it's yeah, it's already out. It's called Digital Medical Home, and okay. um, you know, we we tell the story of the history. So, a lot of the stories of you know the sheriffs coming into our office and all that kind of stuff is in that book. Um, but but more importantly, we talk about what's next, and I think this is really cool because yeah. it really took COVID to make this happen. Um, you know, the critical thing about Teladoc is. It's a delivery engine. And what I mean by that is that, that if you think, um, you know, we were joking around a little while ago about, you know, before the internet, if somebody had a long distance call, you ran, right? Because it's going to be expensive. Before Teladoc, 
if you wanted to talk to a doctor, you'd pick up the old fashioned phone and call the admin at the doctor's office. And she'd look at his schedule and say, okay, there's a time next Thursday at um, 11 a.m. So on Thursday, you take a half a day off of work, you drive to the doctor's office, you know, you go through that rigmarole. Now um, you, you punch a, a couple of things on your app and a doctor is calling you in eight minutes. And if it's 20 minutes, you're not happy. You know, so before Teladoc, it was days. Now, um, you know, it's 10 minutes. No, but it's still just a delivery engine. It's reactive. And what I mean by that is I'm sick. I need to talk to a doctor. Can we take that engine, modify it so that we, it catches things before you get sick? And that's the next generation. That's what my new company is doing is it's saying, okay, um, here's the best analogy. When was the last time you ran out of gas in your car? Never. You don't have to stop every couple of miles and poke a, a stick down in your gas tank to see how much gas you got left. You've got a gauge. But you don't have a gauge here. You don't know. Okay. You know, um, one of my favorite tragic examples is a, a close friend of mine a decade ago who was a medical doctor and got diagnosed with uh, colon cancer and died two months later. And I mm -hmm. remember sitting with him. Um, you know, right after the diagnosis. And I'm like, you're a medical doctor. Don't you know the symptoms? Don't you? And, 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 and what he said to me was so relevant to what we're doing right now. And that is, I'm busy. I have a family, kids, you know, people to um, pay attention to, work to do. Yep. I saw the symptoms. I just thought, you know, I'm okay. And it was too much trouble to get in there. And I wasted six months that could have saved my life. And so how do we create that gas gauge um, simplicity? Um, I've got symptoms. So I get on a call. A doctor says, okay, I'm going to send a box to your home. It'll be there tomorrow. Swab your mouth, pee in a cup, send the box back. It's that simple. It'll take you five minutes. Um, and it's that simple. You don't have to schedule something to go to a lab in a couple of weeks. Um, you don't have to miss time with your family. And so... How do you catch things before they become stage four cancer? Hmm. Um, and then how do you use a delivery engine like Teladoc that's everybody knows how to use now to get there? And that's what we've done. And, wow. um, you know, we talk about all the things we did with the telemedicine revolution in that book. And the last chapter of that book is what's next? How can we, you know, why... We have the technology to catch cancer when it's coming out of stage one. You know, let's yeah. find the ways to do it so nobody gets a four diagnosis. You know, what's interesting is that it was we almost all expect that now, right? Because of technology. It's like I want yeah. my 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 watch, my Apple watch should tell me that, right? Because yeah. it already tells me that I need to stand up or I haven't walked enough or I'm not exercising and what I'm doing. So it's almost like, well, isn't going to tell me that I'm going to have, oh, I'm going to have a heart attack tomorrow. I mean, it's all, it's, it's like we're that predictability factor. We just kind of take for granted anymore. Yet going back to your analogy about the long distance phone call, I, I think about the same thing, yeah. just making a phone call when I was a kid with one phone in the house and one line. And, you know, it took an act of Congress to get call waiting. And now today we just take it for granted. We expect it. Well, hell, we don't even answer the phone anymore. We wait for the text to come in. Right. 
or we don't check voicemails either. I mean, your watch is a perfect example because guess what? It's sitting there collecting valuable data. And you know what's happening to that data? Nothing. Yeah. It's, it's sitting there in the watch, maybe getting transferred to, you know, someplace where nobody can see it. And if you think about, so let's just take one step back. Imagine we're going to the doctor's office and the doctor, you know, always puts a cup on the arm, pumps it up and says, okay, Bill, Tyler, um, you're 120 over 70, you're good. Right. And what is that? It's a static data point. He doesn't know anything about your blood pressure this morning, yesterday, last week, last month, last year. Um, it could have been that last week it was 118 over 65. And two weeks ago, it was 115. You know, so there could be a trend line. The doctor isn't going to see that. It's a static data point. And the beauty of the Apple Watch and all this other new technology is it's capturing data constantly. And yeah. um, so we are now developing an engine so that when you go see that doctor or whether it be in person or via a video call, the doctor won't look at a, at a data from a, a static point. We'll look at a graph that shows here's what it looks like at 7 a.m. every day for the last two months. This is what it looks like at 3 p.m. every day. Um, this is the trend for the last year. And so what are we going to be able to diagnose without blood or saliva or clip, hair clippings or anything else? Just by seeing trends as a function of time, almost everything. And, um, and that's the next generation is our, our Apple watches, you know, the sheet that you can put on your bed now that captures everything about your sleeping and the scale in your bathroom. I have one that gives me 16 data points. I had no idea. You could stand on a scale and it will tell you. I don't know that I want 16 data points anymore. (laughs) But you know, the cool thing is that it tells you your bone density and your body mass index and your visceral fat and all these other things just by standing on a scale for 30 seconds. Wow. That's data and data can save your life. And I think that's an interesting point because when you think about analytics and how we use analytics for everything, both from a business standpoint to really the way businesses operate and things, we found out about a year ago that our health insurance company offered an app that we could have that would track all of our activity and they would actually pay us, which is just, again, it just blows my mind away. Make sure I understand you're going to pay me to get up and walk. And I thought, Oh, okay, well maybe they'll pay us, you know, what are you going to pay me like a dollar or five bucks? And then we found out, no, it's like a thousand dollars a year. You can get money back for your health insurance by doing this. Well, then we found out we could do it and actually create activities within the company for activities during a month period. So we started a contest of who had the most steps in a month. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people, some of us put on the COVID-20 or maybe 30, and we needed to do that more. And so it's become an activity, but it is, you're right. We're tracking those numbers and it's analytics and it's looking at it. And you're right. The body is something that that hasn't been done with. And there's so much data there, just like with everything else that you have to bring it in to figure out what it's all about to help people. So the name of your company, Recuro. So Teladoc was a word that meant something, right? You can either telephone a doctor or talk to, tell a doctor, right? So that was the genesis behind that name. For Recuro, we wanted to go back to the ancient languages and find something that meant redefining the cure. Because most people will tell you our healthcare system is broken. 
some people will say it's not a healthcare system, it's a sick care system. And that goes back to what I was saying a minute ago about, you know, I'm sick, I need to talk to a doctor. That's when it kicks in, that's when money flows. That's a sick care system. Healthcare system is what you were just talking about. Go get your steps in, get healthy. You know, the most critical thing is that the best medicine in the world is still right here in our immune system. And we are doing nothing to support that. You know, how do you keep the immune system strong? You know, what are the supplements? What are the things you need to eat? What are the steps you need to take? The exercise. And that's the medicine of the future. Being preemptive, keep the immune system strong and let the healthcare system handle, you know, I was in a car crash, you know, there's something catastrophic happening and I got to get good medicine in there to fix it. That's just unbelievable. Listen, I appreciate your time and visiting with us again and wonderful to be able to spend a little time and catch up on all this. And I'm telling you, I'm a big fan of yours and I love the stories and and I really want to make sure we stay in touch and we would love obviously to catch up maybe in another year or so and try to track. We try to watch you. (laughs) Let's do it in the office next time. We would love that. We would love that. But now last time you were with us and you came in, we sent you a nice bottle of wine. Did you enjoy that during COVID like everybody? Yeah. Okay, good. Of course. Yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, that was a really nice bottle of wine, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. You're very welcome. No, I think we drank most of what we had. We had to go get more, obviously. So, listen, (laughs) Michael Gordon, thank you. Really appreciate everything and your time. And I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this, and Tyler can confirm it. I'm a big fan and just proud to spend some time with you and appreciate that more than I can ever tell you. So, thank you. We wish you all the best and look forward to following and watching what happens and greatness will come along and again, and you touch something and it just happens. So I'm excited. Well, the thing I would tell you is you don't just touch it. I mean, when you get knocked down and kicked in the teeth, stand up, put a smile on. What did I do wrong? Let's go again. That's how it works. That's an entrepreneur. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> yep. Yes, sir. All right. You've been listening to People Process Service, a frontline source group podcast. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts. For more information, visit FrontlineSourceGroup.com. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.